<sighs> Let's get down to business. Welcome to the One Last Sketch Podcast, a show dedicated to fantasy, science fiction, and history. I'm Michael. I'm Marie. And I'm Corey. And there in Ontario, I'm in the Yukon, even the Canadian Shield couldn't keep us apart. To return again for another Dungeoneering edition. And this time, instead of the clinking of, of um, ice in our glasses as it's blisteringly hot, on this somewhat more tepid day, we are having tea and scones. So you may instead hear the occasional slurping. Enjoy. This is episode 22. If you weren't here to join us last time, what we've been doing is going through my stack of endless quest books that I picked up from the Marsh Lake Dump. They're basically like choose-your-own-adventures, only they were licensed by... Not even licensed, they were made by Dungeons & Dragons. And TSR Inc. Uh, I think I gave the wrong impression the last time that I've totally been gaming since I was a kid and have been into D&D, and that's not actually true. The no, that's time... just the infectiousness of our enthusiasm. So <laughs> The first time I played Dungeons & Dragons was in graduate school. The first time I played a role-playing game was with these two people after I had already graduated from my undergrad at the U of A. <laughs> mm-hmm. The reason I seem to know about this stuff is that when I was in elementary school, I went to the used bookstore and picked up the Playboy Winner's Guide to Board Games, formerly titled A Player's Guide to Table Games by John Freeman, which according to the copyright page is not his real name. Uh, and it was basically Board Game Geek, but in book form, published at the tail end of the 70s. I don't know why Playboy published it, because it has nothing to do with anything Playboy published before. The important part of this is that this was published in 1979. There is a chapter near the end about Dungeons & Dragons that gives you a snapshot of what role-playing was like just when second edition had come out. <laughs> and one of the things mentioned in the Playboy Winner's Guide to Board Games is Gamma World. Mm-hmm. Gamma World was the first cam- one of the first campaign settings that came out for Dungeons & Dragons. It was developed by James M. Ward, and today's TSR Endless Quest book is Light on Quest Mountain, an endless quest adventure. It's set in Gamma World, and the authors are Mary L. Kirchhoff and James M. Ward. Ooh, you know it's an epic adventure when it needs two authors. <laughs> and when one of them is the actual developer of the game. <laughs> Yes. So, so this yeah. one will be good. We hope. <laughs> well, the last one was... Right. Eh. <laughs> as long as Loris doesn't friggin' show up. So Gamma oh, World know- is nearly as old as Dungeons & Dragons. I think it came out shortly after first edition. Mm-hmm. And it would have came out around the same time as Greyhawk, which was the first campaign setting put out by Gary Gygax. Or Gygax. I don't actually know how to say his name. I've always said a Gygax, but I could be wrong on that. I've said Gygax. That's what I've heard in the nerd world more. He's dead now, so we can't ask him. And according to the book I mentioned earlier, 
First edition, first edition was basically unplayable out of the box. So that was good to know. And you actually needed to buy Greyhawk before you could actually make the game work. So That's clever. That's a that's a clever move on TSR part TSR's part. Mm-hmm. And James M. Ward had first developed a different game called Metamorphosis Alpha, which took place on a colony ship where there was a radiation leak and there were mutations everywhere. That sounds and, cool. Yeah, that later became be, was expanded into Gamma World, where it's not just mm-hmm. not just a spaceship; it's the whole mm-hmm. Earth. Whoa! After a nuclear war. Whoa. So this book that we're going to go through now is published in 1983. Again, for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, I am going to be quote-unquote dungeon mastering, DMing this quote-unquote campaign. Quote-unquote, we'll be quote-unquote playing and quote-unquote having fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be paraphrasing, summarizing the situations described in the book. We'll come to a choice... There's only two rules. Number one, these two fine people playing through the adventure have to agree when we come to a choice point which choice to take. And number two, there is only one chance to get through this book. We're not going to be flipping back if we die. Yeah. The only exception to this rule is if the first choice leads to insta-death. Oh, you've added that rule since last time. Which would be impressive if we actually achieved that. Because I, I don't want to think that that's now. actually fair in any kind of game. Well, it'll be a really short podcast. Yeah. And you want content, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Light on Quest Mountain. It is dedicated to England, the land for which the best within us springs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You will be playing Ren. There's actually not that much information about him in the preamble here. Know, though, that it is the future, there was a nuclear war, and there are remnants of our civilization from the 20th century, not the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So this is the 70s and the 80s. I was going to say, this is very new age, or a new way of sci-fi, then. Mm-hmm. Legend says that there was a great war long ago when humans ruled the world, but afterwards... That wasn't the case. Now humans share the planet with a bunch of mutated, intelligent creatures. Some are very fierce. Are there going to be, de- are there going to be depressed baboons in this one, too? <laughs> I should hope not. There could be. There could be. <laughs> of these races, you know there is a in- there are a bunch of intelligent lizard men living mm. to the north. And there are also apparently huge machines in the south. So, robots exist. One of the remnants of the long forgotten past are robots. Because why not? You'd think they'd have like a freaking database, but no. So the the main part of this preamble I'm going to quote directly. Man no longer rules. He must share the land. With caution and luck, he exists. So I actually think the writing quality in this is worse. (laughs) <laughs> that in our last book on the plus side it's super concise is it trying to be a little bit pulpy uh, a little bit <laughs> a lot of it a lot of it okay a lot of it 
So, as you remember, you're Ren, you've just finished school with your friends Chark and Sars. This was Oh, that's Sars. unfortunate now. Yeah. <laughs> that's an unfortunate name now. And we're told that Ren is the youngest chief of the village of New Hope. Tomorrow, you and your two buddies are going to be going out on the ritual initiation quest ceremony. And this quest will always take you to Quest Mountain. I feel like it's going to get racist really fast. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm assuming name Quest Mountain after the quest ritual, not um, you never and not the other way around. You never no, know no, was, these kind of naming conventions. It was always called Quest Mountain, and they're like, you know what? We need to do quests anyway, and that's sort of you know, yeah, it'd be an easy place to just do it. It's a mountain. There's something a little bit different about the quest you'll be facing, because recently villagers have spotted a strange light on the peak of Quest Mountain. So, not only do you have to go to the mountain to determine your manliness and suitability to fit into the village, you also need to tell them what's going on with that strange light up there. You wouldn't think suitability to fit into the village would have been just established by freaking living in it for the past, I don't know, how old are we? Well, that Maybe. was when you were a boy. This will prove you're a man. I would like to point out, we're attempting to prove we're a man when 50% of the players in this game are female. <laughs> Again, it yes. was the 70s. Uh, yep. Another thing you should know, your friend Sars is a lizard man. He wears glasses. That's how you can tell him apart from the other lizard men. Why would a wizard wear glasses? Continue. He has Why not? Vision. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> don't be, don't your, be speciesist. Your other friend, Shark, is described as your monkey friend. And that doesn't just mean he resembles a monkey, kind of. Yes, there is a baboon in this adventure, I guess. <laughs> All right, your friend I'm... is an actual monkey. <laughs> I am designating him as the meat shield, and I am sacrificing him as soon as the book lets us. So even though you won't admit it, you are nervous about the upcoming quest, because your brother Jor, who was set to succeed your father, the chief, went out on the quest and did not return. Except for his head in a sack! (laughs) He was lost in the desert. I, I'm willing to bet we're either going to find. I'm willing to bet we're going to find him in some capacity, either as like some mysterious thing that helps us, or he's going to be the primary villain, or his body. Probably yeah. not. This so we skip kids. ahead to the next morning. All the villagers are out to see you off. You got your gear ready. Your sisters are here, who do not have to go through the initiation ceremony. And they probably just sweep the floor otherwise. Are they named? Like, do they even get to be characters? Or are they literally no, just kind you of... you just hug your sisters. And... <sighs> your father slap, claps his hands and makes a speech about how important it is that you're going to become adults. So no uh, pressure. No pressure. <laughs> what are the he girls gives you metal spears to take on your journey. They are indeed completely made out of metal, and this surprises you because metal's fairly poor in your area, mm. so you'd think they would have just reforged them into different tools. And that strikes me as highly impractical. Like, that'd be really freaking heavy. There's it a could reason be aluminum. A, there's a reason a spear shaft is made out of wood. It could be aluminum. Well, Maybe. javelins tend to, sports javelins tend to just be made out of metal. Yeah. But... Yeah, you also, have we're these... strong! 
who have these metal spears. Sars is embarrassed because his mother comes out and hugs him. And it, he blushes even though he's a lizard. <laughs> ah, it's like a chameleon sort of changing the blood flow to the... Um, no. <laughs> so off you go to the main gates. You pause there to talk over your plans. Chark the monkey thinks you should head straight for the mountain. So, so there's something actually quite logical in just going to the place that you're supposed to do the damn quest at. The problem with that plan is that the great northern wasteland stretches between your village and Quest Mountain. And of nobody course. who's entered the wasteland has ever returned. So wait, hang on, back up a bit. This is a tradition, this quest, and yet nobody's ever returned from the way to get there. Well, as SARS tells you, you need to go around the wasteland. And I'm assuming it's, it's that's... not completely surrounding your village. There are ways to get around wasteland. Well, I'm sure the waste is this a choice now? It soon enough, because mm. as Chark tells you, if we can't go straight ahead, then there's two directions we can go. If we go east, we go through the sandland, which obviously is a desert and it has lots of hidden dangers. But if you go west, you'll be going through the Greenlands, which is filled with monsters in the forest. Sars tells you that your brother Jor went through the desert, uh, but you tell him, well, we don't actually know for sure. He just said he was going to go through mm. the desert. So it's not 100% true. Chark tells you that the trail through the Greenlands is shorter, uh, Sars thinks it might be a good idea to retrace Jor's footsteps and see where he went. Well, he'd like the sand. I mean, he's a lizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and where, from where you're standing, you can see that the Great Northern Wasteland, even at this point, is covered in bones. So you're not going to do that. So there's your choices. You can go through the Sandlands, or you can go through the Greenlands. Wait a second, it's like you're walking along, it's normal, 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 then there's like a line in the ground, and there's just bones on the outside of this line. <laughs> uh, my assumption is you're on a hill and overlooking uh, barren lands. Uh, but the well, book doesn't specify. It's jungle. The jungle would suggest to be more interesting, plus less quicksand. Quick peat, maybe. <laughs> yeah, jungle, monsters, slightly more exciting. Okay. Maybe one of them will eat Loris, I mean, um... um so you tell them that the best idea is to take the shortest route. They both, both your companions agree, and you start. Weren't they just like arguing a minute ago about what the best route actually was? Like, what feeble-minded little wimps are our companions? In it's this? very clear that this is your posse, and they're going to listen to you no matter what. So, can we command them to jump off a cliff? Fight each other to the death! No. <laughs> Right, so you end up on a narrow path. It's still early. Uh, you guys talk for a bit. Uh, a bunch of useless conversation ensues, except that you guys stay, say you should probably not split the party. Everybody agrees this is a good idea. <laughs> but Chark is like, stop walking so slow. Come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, because he's obviously at home in the jungle. Yeah. Goddamn monkey. Suddenly, there is a blinding bright light. Oh my gosh, the sun! <laughs> you stand perfectly still, and all you can see is a lingering after image. 
And because you're all blinded, Chark stumbles off of the path, the light flashes again, you're all confused, you tell them, don't move! But every time the light flashes, Chark is stumbling off the path, and Saris tells you this. Um, as your eyes clear, you see that there's a narrow band of red grass on the edge of the path that has blackened spots on it. Mm-hmm. And Shark is like, those are my footprints! Because he's back. So it seems that the forest is protected in some way. That it makes you veer off the path into the forest mm. when the light flashes. Oh. So okay. you test. This is Sars, the lizard man's theory. So you test it by stepping onto the grass, and yes, indeed, the light flashes right away. So. So wow, that's a significant. <laughs> don't step on the grass, kind of. So you heave a sigh of relief and relief, relief, and begin to walk on. Mm-hmm. But then. All at once, for no apparent reason, and that is a direct quote. <laughs> your two <laughs> friends stop, and they're flailing their arms around widely. And you're like, what? why are you doing that? And then you see that you've walked right into a giant spider web, and crashing out of the bushes on your left is a giant spider. Wait, so we're ensnared in this web? You aren't. Shark and they- SARS are in the web because they were ahead of you. And they're dumb. And they're, they are trapped. And you see that there's a spider coming, and you also hear a sound behind you. And there's a metal robot wandering along. Yeah, well, what I'm sure hell? he's friendly. That's random. And as it comes, a hole opens up in its side, and a thin metal pipe comes out and sends out a jet of green fluid, and you dash out of the way. However, fortunately, the fluid hits the spider, and the spider lets out a shriek, and its uh, limbs curl up against its body, and it falls to the ground dead. Spiders don't really shriek, as far as I know. (laughs) Well, maybe giant ones do. Mm. (laughs) Well, the one from The Hobbit did, so... Yeah, because that's a documentary. (laughs) Well, according to the last book we did, yes! So you scramble up to your feet and turn back to the robot. It is motionless. The pipe has retracted back into it, Dalek style. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I just, I know we're all thinking it, so I've got to point it out. That was a very phall- phallic description. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So seeing that at least one danger is gone, you hack your friends out of the web with a knife. Shark is like the. We'd better run because the robot might decide to come after us. But you say, I don't think it's going to. Anyway, you have them both out. Shark's glasses are covered with a sticky coating. I can tell you're sort of enthralled by this prose, by the way you're. It's really bad! (laughs) 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 Sars's glasses are covered with something sticky. Uh, Clearly, whatever was on the web. Mm-hmm. Sars cleans his glasses, he looks over the robot, and he sees mm-hmm. that there's writing on it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what the writing means, but he says, maybe I can copy it down, we can bring it to the village elders to decipher. However, despite this, he is able, when he writes it down, you can read, Ecology Bot Orkin Division. The mm-hmm. magic of writing consistently, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Is there going to be a decision soon? <laughs> yep. Uh, Shaft of Light 
falls on the robot and it suddenly starts to whir and lift itself off the ground. It's mm. flying! And Shark thinks maybe we should follow it to its home base, which Sars does not think is a good idea. Thinks he should continue pressing onto the mountain. So your choice, as you can tell, because I think every time there's a choice, your friends are going to debate it before it comes up. <laughs> God damn it, Loris! Wow. Yeah, I was to say, it, like, they literally are the Lorises of this book, and it's worse because there's two of them. Yeah, so your choices are you can follow the robot or you can press on towards the mountain. Mountain. Yeah, quest. Okay. Screw mucking around out here. <laughs> and so you say, I agree that we should head towards the mountain. The robot's in bad condition and will probably just lead us into a trap. Which, you know, as, they do. as far as reasoning goes in these books, is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you are careful to stay on the natural path and the natural path. The uh, natural path. <laughs> we just step on like And you start climbing upwards. A down homeopathy lane. It's always a, just a little bit dry. And SARS is wondering <laughs> why this place is called just the Greenlands, because it's not just green. There's trees of every color you could possibly imagine here. And even the mm. rocks are covered with weird lichen. Trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and trees and water! And Sars starts examining the rocks and he picks them up, but when he drops them, they give off musical tones. He goes to investigate, but he trips over another rock and honks at him. <laughs> it honks at him. That's a great moment. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Sars is super surprised by this, and so is Chark. And you hear something say, Halt and identify yourselves. You look up the path, but you don't see anything there. The voice continues, Yes, you, up here. And you look up, and there is a green man sitting in the trees. I'm not, I don't know yet if it's the green man, or mm -hmm. just a green man. <laughs> Maybe it's that green man who was in the botanical gardens. You don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They um, got Jolly Green Giant. I don't know. You haven't said anything to him yet, and he's like, I'm sure I can get you to say something with a little bit of coaxing. And he shifts a bit, and you see that he has a bow in his hand mm -hmm. and an arrow in the other. Yep. I knew it, whispers Chark. I knew things were just too peaceful. You must act quickly. Too peaceful. They got attacked by a giant spider two minutes ago. Also a rock honked at the guy. <laughs> that is something I'm really enjoying. Like, what kind of understatement? <sighs> so, you've got three choices. Shut up, Loris. <laughs> you got three choices. You can talk to the green man, mm -hmm. you can try to run away, or you can try to attack it. I feel like he's just asking a civil question. Yeah, we're talking. <laughs> to be honest. Okay. <laughs> Let's be like, yo, dude, don't shoot, please. See, this is what distinguishes you from your typical uh, junior yeah. high school party. <laughs> yeah. Like, talking, talking's for adults and boring. <laughs> so you say, I'm Ren, these are my friends, Sars and Shark. The creature jumps down from the trees. He's still got a arrow knocked to his bow, and he tells you, you've entered Gren territory. What's mm. your business here? Passing through? We've got a passport. <laughs> We're on a noble and quest for to some kill reason things and you, take their stuff. 
Yeah, at first you forget momentarily, I guess. You've been through way too much. And oh my god, the spider. Battle. And the rock! <laughs> but you Especially go, oh, the rock. Oh, we're on a quest, and your friends add that you're trying to find out what the light on the mountaintop is. You know, Quest Mountain? It's conveniently named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the green man interrupts you and says they don't want to have dealings with your friends, because he is a speciest. Oh. <laughs> is he wearing green or is he just painted green and naked or what? He is <laughs> a human and it just tells us that he's green. Okay. Because you said we do not wish to have dealings with your friends, you ask we? And he claps <gasps> his hands and the trees around you come alive and suddenly a bunch of other green people come out of the woods. <laughs> the book Wait, helpfully he tells hands? you that you're very glad that you didn't attack. Yeah. So you clearly yeah. made the wise choice there, fellas. Well, also, just, um, what, he doesn't even do the, like, whistling, a particular whistle when they all come out? He just freaking claps his hands. His all right, guys! He's kind of lame. We are the grand. Yes. Resistance is futile? I don't know. <laughs> Put so on his body paint. So you ask them why they hide in trees and pounce on friendly travelers, and the grand tell you... These are our trees. We've lived here for as long as anyone remembers, and we need to protect our trees. Ah, they're hippies. I actually yeah. think they're the knights who say knee. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, so we just need to go get them a shrubbery. That'll be easy. <laughs> well, well, actually, you the shrubbery that was don't plan. Plan. Hmm? The shrubbery was pot anyway, yeah, so yeah, it's if, kind if, of the same thing, really. If you actually watch, yeah, little known thing, if you actually watch that scene when the police are collecting samples, it's because they're cannabis plants. <laughs> yeah. See, I haven't watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail that carefully. <laughs> yep, well... So you tell him that you had no intention of harming those trees, and you know you're the one who are you're the ones who are threatening us, which seems to get him cowed a bit. I totally <laughs> want to hurt the trees. Let's start a fire. <laughs> uh, he tell the Gren tells you that they've been friendly with humans, but they're being bothered by other kinds of creatures, which is why they're not friendly towards your companions. Mm. Well, that's just speciesist. You shouldn't paint them all with the same brush. I'm not sure Even if, if they're speciesist because they say the creatures that attacked them were made out of metal. Are you just dumb then? And you can't recognize like, okay, what a so, robot is? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> well, these are primitive tribal societies, and I guess they're and they must be androids, or else this it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Which, to be fair, to be fair, from what you've told us of the writing, it's entirely possible this bit just doesn't make sense. That's very true. So you tell them that you ran across a metal man earlier, but it yeah. saved. It saved your lives. You oh, we should have kept that, that to yourself. Yeah. He asks them if you know where they came from, and he says he doesn't really want to talk about them. But he says maybe we can help you, hurry you through here so we don't need to deal with you anymore. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, they can't take you all the way to the mountaintop because there are quote-unquote bad things up there. Okay, fair enough. Also, it's a mountain, and who's got the time to walk that far, except for some juveniles on a quest, apparently. And some trees are probably not there. But those are some other trees up there, I would yeah. think. But they can bring you to a shortcut. Hey, shortcut! That sounds like it totally won't kill us instantly. Yeah, and Shark wonders if you should go with them, but you say, I don't think we have a choice. 
Yeah. <laughs> Railroading. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so you ask how far the place is, and they tell you not far. You shrug. You follow them up a steep path, and you come to the most beautiful view you've ever seen, or the, even though it appears to just be more multicolored trees. Mm. And your What's guides, that, the wasteland? Your guides stop, and they and you ask them, is that it? How do we continue on? They say, just keep on going up. That seems pretty clear. But you shout, where are we? Uh, they don't listen to you, though. They just leave you behind. These guys are annoying. <laughs> I have to agree with the green men at this point. <laughs> yeah. So you guys decide you're going to look for a place to camp for the night and head up the crest of the hill. Sar mm -hmm. says he thinks he hears water, and he steps ahead, and he says, there's a river. There's also a faint path through the trees, and you follow it until you come to another path that goes by the river. Mm -hmm. And now it tells me to flip ahead, even though there's no choices. Aww. And uh, you have to flip ahead really far. You know <laughs> okay. what? Here's the thing. I, I've got two issues with this, first of all. So far, the railroading is annoying. And secondly, the fact that you basically have to be lawful good. Give us one or the other. Like, if you're going to railroad it, let me just be chaotic evil and burn everything down. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the path opens into a clearing, and you see that the river is flowing between high walls. They appear to have been built by someone. You start talking about this with SARS, but are stopped in the middle of your argument by snarling, growling sounds. You guys, oh, damn it, Sars, calm down. <laughs> you guys get down on your stomach in the grass and you watch two furred creatures with clubs move along the wall. Mm. And you can now tell that that wall is a dam. We, whoa, we couldn't observe this before. But now that there are furry creatures standing so, on it, it's so much clearer. Wait, are these like mutant <laughs> beavers with clubs? All you know is that they're covered with fur. I kind of hope, kinda be hope they're mutant beavers because yeah. this would be such a Canadian moment. <laughs> <laughs> so they walk along the wall, they stop, they turn abruptly, and then they move away. SARS tells you that these creatures are batters and that they're mean. Okay. Batters. Is that like short for badgers or? It just says batters. Uh, bat as in like a baseball bat or bad as in like they are bad people so they're batters. Bad as in B A D B A D D E R. Oh, that's bad. Oh, I almost said that's bad. That's horrible writing. Yeah, you observe that they seem to be guarding something. And Sars says I think they're guarding the river wall. And if you look up the hill, you see they built another wall that forces the river to make that loop. Chark wonders why they do that. Oh my god, guys, I just need renewable energy. <laughs> uh, but you say, instead of just going, it's a dam, guys, you say that there's something they want to keep the river away from. Maybe if we cross the stream, we'll find out. Because that's so logical, <laughs> a conclusion to have. Damn, you guys. It's a damn, you guys. <laughs> Very quietly, not attracting the attention of the guards, you retrace your steps, and you find a tree that hangs out over the stream. You all swing your way across, and then you make your way carefully over the stream bed. On the opposite shore, you look up and you see that there's a large pond. This is a lake behind the dam. And 
you can that see that often they're... forms behind a dam. Yeah. That's kind of what they do. You can see where the old riverbed is, and there is a whole village built down there. <laughs> so there's a bunch of domed huts. There are a bunch of batters in there. Most of them are huddled around the fire. Shark says a Obviously, it's dinner time and they're cooking something. You want to cooking? Get a, they must be evil. You want to get a closer look, but Shark says, "But we can see fine from here." I have to agree with him on that point. <laughs> but yeah. you've already made up your mind, and you start crawling up towards the next row of bushes. Hey, I'm only just proving I'm a man. I'm not quite there yet. Sorry, like, something, shark... something stupid. Yes. This book is very presumptuous that that's what we would do. It's like, oh, you've made up your mind. Well, no, we, we think this is a terrible idea. We think we should get a choice at this juncture. Your writing is sucky. Anyway. <laughs> so Sars and Shark kind of shrug their shoulders and follow you. So you're up to the next row of bushes, and you see that it's nearing sunset. You can see that there's a bunch of large batters who are hurrying these small ones down ladders into the domes. Batters down ladders? Yes, batters going down ladders. <laughs> it's the Dr. Like, Seuss. Effect. I was going to say, this is Dr. Seuss post a large acid trip. <laughs> so you look to the right and you see that there is a cage there. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, before you say it, let me guess. There are beautiful and scantily clad women in it, because that's the kind of book this probably is. <laughs> Well, in the light, so far, all that you can see is that they're pushing people into the cage. And you watch... Well, they could be beautiful as Gantt's class, you never know. You can tell they're being herded in there, and one of the female prisoners trips. Yeah, So there's yeah. at least one. one. <laughs> <laughs> and as she tries to regain her balance, one of the guards pushes her, and another tall, thin man helps her to her feet. She got pushed! They must be evil! Yeah, so he starts screaming at the batters about, can't you see that she can't even walk? Uh, How much you want to bet she's going to be running in about five minutes? Yeah, and now that (laughs) they are in the light of the torches, you can see that the thin man who just spoke is your brother Jor! (gasps) He's not the villain. Wow, I was off on that one. Also, he clearly didn't enter the desert. Or he did. He could have always gone there and then wandered around. I don't know. I feel with how much railroading we've encountered so far, even if we'd gone into the desert, there was a chance we could have ended up here. Hey, you know what? At least Jorah's found the kind of a girlfriend. He's <laughs> so ahead of us. <laughs> you're not the one who shouts, Oh my god, it's Jor, that's Chark. Uh, god damn it, Lord! <laughs> Stupid Charkmander. Yeah, one of the guards notices this and starts yeah. doing the whole waving I'd around the church and this. squinting into the darkness. You guys stay perfectly still. Space up, quick. Because he doesn't see anything else, and even though he clearly heard voices, he stops looking for you and instead hits your brother in the face. Oh, <laughs> Bam! Well, that's uh, So here are your choices. <laughs> You can try to rescue your brother right away, in case something bad is going to happen to him very soon, or you can try to come up with a plan. I was going to say, abandoning him is not one of the choices, is it? No, your two choices are attack recklessly, or withdraw and try and come up with a I feel attacking recklessly is part of the character. Yeah, I kind of want to see, because... 
It's so obviously a bad idea that yeah. I can't help but think the book's going to have a really funny result if we do it. Yeah, let's attack recklessly, damn it. Let the slapstick begin. Okay, attack recklessly. <laughs> oh, um, we're going to die. So you're like, I can't, I can't bear to see my brother treated this way. And you get your spear ready and you charge. You don't even make sure that your friends are behind you. All uh-huh. the activity stops. Hundreds of uh-huh. eyes turn towards you. Intruders, someone says. Very stupid. And you're suddenly surrounded. Sorry, just, just back it up for a sec. Hundreds of eyes. Yes, so we please. just attack like a whole army. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and your brother sees you and goes, Ren, is that really you? And you're like, Jor! And he's also yes, like... Yes, because this is the perfect time for a touching family moment. And so I you feel guys like more than, like, you together in your sudden... Reunion. How do we have time for this? There's like hundreds of bad guys around. No, they're standing because they realize this is a dramatic moment, so they can't actually attack. Uh, one of the guards is like, "Oh, so they know each other," and he nods towards the other two two batters around you. They grab you, and something heavy smashes into your skull. Yep. And you hear a slave master say, "Put him in the cage with the others." Oh, I know. What happened to our weapon? I thought we were armed. No, we we started hugging and probably dropped it. No, because this is the end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You are a slave for the batters. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. I will note that this was only one page away from the choice. So I will let you do a rewind if you want to. Kind of want to do one. Rewind. Yeah, let's do the one. one just so okay, because we, we did cite that that was the obviously worst choice that could possibly be made. We just wanted to see what would, what would happen. So the only reason I'm doing this is because it was a page away. Okay, so I don't need to flip around or anything. <laughs> and I, but maybe that's on purpose in this book. In which case, that is kind of clever for them to yeah. include that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, every kid who ever read one of these, as soon as they die, they start flipping back to the last choice just so they can make the other one. <laughs> yeah. So you've yeah. used up your one saving grace rewind, and you... Right. We move on to a different timeline. <laughs> <laughs> and gamma you are going to formulate a plan. Yep. Also, if it's Gamma World, where's the Hulk? I don't understand that reference. <laughs> Let's continue on. <laughs> Stop being such a big nerd, Corey. Obviously we're nerds, but... I was going to say, irony considering what we're doing, yeah. So rather than attacking recklessly into this group of uh, very many batters and getting enslaved, you hear your father's voice telling you a leader needs to act with a plan. Yep. And you know it's probably not a good idea to just go dashing in. You have yeah, because I kind of made would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so shifting back, you see that this whole area is strewn with rocks. <laughs> so it's, oh, it's, it's a riverbed. What else would be there? <laughs> okay, so what's the significance of the rocks? Sorry. <laughs> I don't really know because your plan is to break the dam open and send all the water crashing into the village. That sounds horribly ecologically irresponsible on also, our part. Also, like it might drown the people we're trying to save, but hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chark quite uh, astutely asks, what you, are you just going to wa- waltz up to the guards and go, 
Excuse me, can we break down your dam? Let's try it. Yeah, that feels that seems like that's a yeah, good idea. And you're just like, we'll get rid of the guards somehow. But in this plan, I'm not going to actually uh, state that step. Also, at least at this point, because he also asks, isn't Jor among the prisoners and wouldn't you drown them as well? And you say that the batters all live below ground. Those mounds are just the openings that lead into their dwellings. So they are indeed like beavers. How did we know this? We didn't even know what they were before. <laughs> How well, did we suddenly gain this insight? One of you knew what they were, so I guess SARS must have imparted this information because he's the bookish one. Because he oh, right. wears glasses. The glasses. <laughs> of course. Stupid 70s stereotypes. Yeah, you're going to wait until nightfall to do this. Mm-hmm. Even though it's already... I think it just stated that it was sundown. Yeah. But, okay, okay, so we wait like five minutes. So you're going to wait until actual night is upon <laughs> you. <laughs> and Sars apparently can't see in the dark, so we'll need somebody to lead him. For some reason, even though he says this, you say, we'll leave you behind and you can tell us if there are any batters coming. Yeah, we're great planners. Um, I feel so much more confident than with our other choice. You're going to... Chark is going to come with you. He doesn't seem too hot on this idea. Because, you know, he's a monkey, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't... These two people haven't really been characterized at all. Yeah. So far, so... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems like they're alternately spineless and stupid as the plot dictates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you wait after retracing your steps, and you can see that there's only one guard there, and his back is to you. So oh, you, cool. s- you sneak up behind the guard, leaving Stab him in the back. And uh, you don't actually do anything to him. You just enter the water. Why would we not <laughs> kill the guard? And you paddle around Rookie. sandlessly towards the guard. Around the back of the dam until you feel firm ground once more. So you're now on the other side of the guard. This, this feels very bridge over the river quiet right now. <laughs> you're, you are below his feet Sorry. now. You grab him. Just to back it up, just to back it up. There's one big difference between this and the bridge over the river quiet. Mm-hmm. Bridge over the river quiet was good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you signal your friend Shark. You each grab one of the guard's legs. He goes, what the? And he's off balance. Tries to catch his balance, reaches for his sword, but with another tug, you pull him into the water. Sorry, does anyone else feel like we just had a total Bugs Bunny, Wily Coyote moment? What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you tell Chark to stay away from from his teeth. Uh, They are mutant beavers! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you punch him right in the head. And knock him unconscious, idea. and he, uh, even though you think this gives you an out for killing someone, he is floating face down in the water. <laughs> oh, wow. So, also, I think if you he just drowns someone... to death after this. Well, you know, if you can punch someone hard enough to knock them unconscious, you probably just killed them. So. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's a beaver. I'm pretty sure they've got a decently thick skull to support the massive teeth. Punching a human in the skull is a bad idea because you'll break your hand. How bad do you think punching a mutant beaver would mess you up? Well, maybe the first is so fluffy and soft. I kind of even wanna, still. Yeah, I kind of want to set this in the Chronicles of Narnia. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wow, we're so horrible. You 
swim over to where a shark is hanging on the river bank, and you hear a cry from the other side of the side of the lake. It's Char's. No, it's not. It's Sars. Put on your masks, respirators. <laughs> you see oh, that wait, he that is grappling easy. with another batter. You both swim madly. Arg, arg, arg! So uh, mad. You get there in time to see that Sars is okay, and he's got a look of satisfaction on his face. So he Again. has gotten a taste for murder as well. <laughs> yeah. We have spears. <laughs> Why are we not using? They're heavy. You're right. They're just too heavy. So you asked him what happened, but he kind of trails off after saying another one of these things leapt out of the forest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he just ate him. Awesome. Apparently. Oh, yes, because all lizard men are horrible carnivorous bastards who eat their kills. Sounds like. So now that you've dealt with both guards, you head back Mm -hmm. to the dam and start chopping at the logs and stones with your spears. That doesn't seem like a very effective... Yeah, Yeah, now we're using the spears for non-killing other things uses. With all your (laughs) gear, you think you would have taken a hatchet. No. (laughs) But no. Probably they asked us at the village, do you want to bring anything like a rope? And we were like, no, we just need a spear. (laughs) So you hear a creaking noise after doing this for a while, and you don't stand back, and dam gives way with a loud crash. And the river goes down the old riverbed, and it's sweeping along bodies of batters, and they're all screaming and wailing. Bodies of batters on the riverbed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you tell you tell your buddies, no time for that. We've got to save my brother. Because so we might drown yes, him. Plus all the other innocent people we might kill in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So you grab Sars's arm and you head for a higher spot. And then, I guess you don't take Sars with you, you just leave him as a guard again. There's no reasoning given for this. Well, you seem to have did it effectively last time, to be yeah, honest. You and Shark dash towards the village, and you can see that the water has snuffed out the last remnants of the fire, so there's only moonlight now. You see that the batters are getting out of their flooded dens, and you slosh through to the prisoner's cage, and the batters are too busy drowning to notice you. <laughs> I guess, or trying to pull each other out is, I think, what's going on here. Some of the guards are trying to pull out the people who are drowning in their little hidey-ho pools. Quick! Drown the elderly and children first! (laughs) Basically, that's what happened. So you get to the cage. Horrible. Prisoners seem very confused and are also screaming because the water level is rapidly rising. We basically just committed a genocide. Effectively, yeah. But they don't look like us, so that's okay, apparently. Yeah. Wow. So, Jor recognizes you, and you We're like colonial. Jor, and you have your little moment, and then you start hacking and prying the cage open. Your brother emerges from the opening, and he's like, Ren, I can't believe it's you. Can we hug? And Jor holds you close. Yes, you're hugging. Yep. And <laughs> Jor tells you, you've changed. You've become a man. Oh, so he just go home. Awesome. So that, that, that's all that was needed? Was to just murder, you know, dozens <laughs> just, yeah. and dozens of mutant people. You beavers. just needed to kill an entire village. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the colonial <laughs> politics in this are somewhat disturbing. Yeah. So you're like, well, uh, let's not do this reunion thing. We're going to get out of here first because the water is getting higher and higher. Let's not drown. 
Yeah, yeah. and so just, all of you... I, I, can just, I can just picture the water. Oh, just chill, man. Try that. <laughs> all of you head for higher ground, and you tell your story about how you found Jor. Well, we were walking and along more or less after telling Jor all of this, you say, it looks like we feel, fulfilled enough of our quest to return to the village as proud men. And... You do. The end. Wow, we didn't even make it to the mountain. You didn't even make it to the mountain. Wow, we died and then we didn't make it. So I guess if you go the Greenlands way, you can't actually really get to the mountain. Well, we could have followed the robot. But... Yeah. I feel probably like not. because the robot was attacking the green people, that that yeah. was probably a bad ending, too. Yeah. Yeah. This one, <laughs> this one struck me as a bit... Um, in some ways a bit harder, in some ways a bit easier than the last one, because it was more it was easier to recognize the bad decisions in this one. They just seem to actually have bad consequences. Yeah, I think yeah. at least with the last one, there was some sense that if you quote unquote role played, you'd yeah. get a better Yeah. A better um, passage because it was you're a fighter, so the good outcomes are if you fight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could kind of stumble and bumble along a little more. Yeah. Or or as we realized, fall in, fall in key moments. That also yeah. is okay. Uh, I don't know. I actually really didn't like this one. No, yeah. I was kind of disappointed. That would have been uh, a little more this fun. This one, I mean, the problem with Rose Estes' uh, first one was that she, she really overwrites. Yeah. And it's kind of boring and tedious at times. In this one, it's not overwritten. It's pretty. The writing's very concise and to the point, but it's also quite bad. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't have a whole lot. Like you were having less fun. I think we just had more fun last time about how silly the last one was. Because I, and I think it was partly just the setting because it's like that old school D and D quite ridiculous setting. Anyway, this one I felt the setting was just a little bit more kind of. I felt this, odd. <laughs> yeah, I felt this setting had a lot more potential to be interesting. It's just it didn't seem to use any of it. Other than racism. Yeah. A lot of racism constantly. It was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I will give props for the the two authors trying to give you meaningful choices. Yeah. Yeah, like, again, like I said, it seems like the bad decisions were more likely to have bad consequences. So it seems like it had a little more effort in that mm -hmm. regard and a little more planning, but... But the writing is worse, the characters okay, I just, are worse, the yeah, story, I, even the story is worse, because it's like, yeah. we're going to a mountain. <laughs> I, I, I think the other thing, too, is last time we were clearly not playing this the way it was meant to be played. We still had a lot of fun. Yeah. This time, it seemed like it was harder to derive that kind of corrupted joy from it. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, this is the only book by Mary Kirchhoff and James Ward. Yeah, in this collection. So you I just gotta know what is the light on Quest Mountain? Can you kind of you know what? Let's in? find out. Because <laughs> I I, I want to know because that's really bugging me. I'm just me gonna we never hit these endings. That. Yeah, uh, I can just tell you what some of these are. Yeah. Um. So for one of the early ones, Sars gets injured, and you yeah. have to return to the village. Mm. That's literally it. That would be very that unsatisfying. Wow. Ending. Uh, the second ending in order, because obviously these aren't in order from picking yeah. paths in here, yeah. is the yeah. one you guys got, where oh, you yeah. find Jor, and because Jor says you're a man now, that's enough. 
Yep. I'm not sure what that means for your companions, though. Do they have to do that? Yeah. <laughs> if Jor never returned from his quest, how does he get to decide that? He probably had quite a bit of sex. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that would be man enough. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fault in that somewhere. I just can't find it. In another one, strange kind of amoeba-like creatures with teeth eat you. Ooh, amoebas with teeth. That's cool. So I can already tell you there are a lot more death endings in this one than there were. <laughs> yes. In. Next one, land sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally like the sand squid in the first Space Quest game. <laughs> oh, that's great. So I assume this is when you're in the, the desert. desert. Yeah. yeah. Land sharks, awesome. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I think I've found the ending where you deal with the light on Quest Mountain. Okay. Uh, there is a dome there with robots mm-hmm. in it. It's mm. part of some kind of project. Mm. The actual passage for this is really long, so this must be the true ending yeah. that you're yeah. supposed to be aiming for. Basically, something to do with oil calm. Okay. It's evil Albertans in the future. Yeah. I guess they set up bases where people could survive. The second nuclear war, there were two. So that's Ah. good to know. Mm. Um, I feel like that's unrealistic. Like, I'm pretty sure if one happened, that would be it. So, there was no light on Quest Mountain before. But they were sending out a signal from here because their um, fallout shelter thing basically got unsealed, finally. Mm. So oh. it's fallout. Yeah, so that is that is what that ending is. It's literally the game fallout. Yeah. <laughs> I, Wait, I'm what? pretty sure fallout was inspired by Gamma World, though. Ah, okay, that would make setting, sense. Right? I okay. very much doubt the creators of Fallout read this book. Well, you never know. <laughs> you find that there's a crystal in there, which was what was emitting the signal, and you mm. take the crystal back to your village. It's kind of unsatisfying, actually. Yeah. Because here's the thing. This is the thing is why like, I always preferred fantasy to sci-fi, is that the answers in fantasy are usually magic! <laughs> and, it's the, and you don't get something where it's like, oh, it's just a crystal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might get like, it's a crystal ball, but it's still a magic crystal ball, at least. Instead of just being like, oh, look, this piece of technology emitting light, I'll just rip this part off and bring it back to my village. <laughs> anyway, it's a riveting book. I feel um, just kind of the way this one's laid out. This seems to be kind of one of those choose-your-own-adventures that's very much designed with replay in mind. Like, they, they wanted to very much encourage the kid to do it, read it again and again. Cause it's they, like King's Quest. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're, it's really you're, like you're gonna die, so keep doing it until you get it right. Only King's Quest is better writing. <laughs> yeah, a lot better writing. And I mean, the writing in King's Quest 1 wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Light oh. on Quest Mountain. And we're never going to play that again. <laughs> so great! <laughs> ba- I think we basically hit on the most boring path yep. in the adventure. And that's really not mm-hmm. you guys' fault, because the... <laughs> Choice yeah. that leads you there at the beginning has no indicators. Yeah. Yeah. Telling you which way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it did kind of have the, like, oh, you see a dark tunnel through the, the forest and a light tunnel through the forest, and the light tunnel's always the bad one. 
to go through um, versus the dark one. In this case, it was like, you can go to the interesting landscape or you can go to the boring dunes. And only the boring dunes will actually bring you to the friggin' quest mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else, no. <laughs> well, I can tell you the vast majority of these are by Rose Estes. Yay! So despite her atrocious writing at length, it's not as atrocious. And yeah. she seems to have better... A better well, grasp in... on what D&D players want. <laughs> yeah. Namingly, yeah, she seemed to have a better grasp on just good old campy fun. Because, yeah. let's face it, Dungeons, what was it, the Dungeons of Dread? It really yeah. did feel like your classic first edition adventure. Oh, yeah. It, and yeah. it felt, actually, it felt a lot like Zork. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, would, I, that. I haven't played first edition, wouldn't actually know what that is, but it gave that vibe. Okay, yeah. This is what kids in the 70s would have been designing their dungeons to be like, right? Yeah. 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 It was, it was kind of fun, actually. I mean, we were making fun of Loris and stuff, but I kind of was missing him with the companions we had. His companions were atrocious. They were so boring. They, they weren't annoying. They were just flat. That's ah, that's worse. the thing, because he was at least just always quivering in fear. So he had a characteristic. Loris <laughs> had a personality. It was a stupid personality. Wait, yeah, but it was a personality. We were frustrated well, at him, but that sort of actually made him more yeah, a better character. Well, he's <laughs> a better character because he at least elicits an emotional response. These two didn't even do that. Yeah. Like, this is the epitome of just kind of meh. Yes. Like, you don't even care enough to not care or to hate them. You just don't care. Mm -hmm. So, I can tell you from the Lone Wolf stuff that I've looked at online, because all the Lone Wolf books, you can play them online for free. They have mm -hmm. character sheets and stuff, are much better put together than mm -hmm. either of these books so far in terms of <laughs> you actually feel like you have some kind of agency. Ooh. When you're in the... <laughs> nice. Also, the passages tend to be really short, and you get lots yeah. of choices. Yeah, because that's, that's what really bugged me, I think, was that there was so much prose to get to a choice, and I just didn't care <laughs> what was happening. Yeah, and by the time I was you not got, engaged at all. Well, by the time you got to a choice, there's very lackluster as well. Like, the other mm -hmm. one, like... Do you want to walk down the hallway? Do you want to see the crazy baboon? Yeah. Let's see the crazy baboon. Like, this one, it's do you want to go left or do you want to go right? But actually, also in this one, I think because since we're such D&D &D nerds, we were kind of looking for the things we were familiar with. Whereas here, we're like, well, I don't really know what's in Gamma World. Yeah, because so, Gamma World's an entirely different yeah. setting, right? It's, yeah, mm. so I'm like, I wouldn't... Uh, probably if I played Gamma World, I'd be like, oh, there's that thing, oh, there's that thing. But I had no relation to that. So that's probably something about us specifically that would make this less enjoyable. Yeah, well, from the Playboy's Winner's Guide to Board Games, the actual campaign setting sounds really cool. Well, like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of that series that was big in the 60s and 70s, Horse Clans. If you've ever seen those books in used bookstores? I think I've seen them. I don't know anything yeah, about it, them. It's not only Horse Clans. There were a bunch of series out like that at the time, where it was post-apocalyptic, but it was The Barbarian Future. Mm -hmm. So it was sword and sorcery without the sorcery, because it's yes. super science, right? Yes. <laughs> and I think that's what Gamma World was trying to bring to mind. Uh, so at least this book, and it, like the thing that it's from, isn't all just kind of blonde. There was, in fact, cool stuff there. The setting and the story behind Gamma World sounds really cool. 
This book, but we don't, not this so book much. Well yeah. We don't recommend this book at all. Well, I don't think I don't we think, recommend yeah. any of these books so far. Yeah. Here, here, here's the thing: in this little mini series of choose your own adventures, I don't think uh, yeah. our like. I, I think if we tried to recommend them, there would be a mechanism in our brain that would just like kill us to prevent us from doing so. Hang on, hang on. I recommend Dungeon. Yeah, there's blood leaking out of her nose now, so that might be a good spot to end it. <laughs> yeah, so that was our Dungeoneering edition. I guess Dungeoneering Second Edition. I've been your host and Dungeon Master, Michael Wojcik. Uh You can find previous episodes of this podcast, which are not nearly so gaming-oriented. Seriously, it's just this series that's going to do this. <laughs> At whatlastsketch.wordpress.com. You can also find previous episodes on iTunes and on Stitcher. Where can we find you, Marie? <laughs> Well, currently passed out on the floor suffering a severe aneurysm, but she can be found online at iatropexy.wordpress.com. Thank you all, our fine listeners, for enduring that particularly lackluster adventure. It's not our fault! (laughs) And as before, I did not actually read through this book before doing it, so I had no idea it was going to be this dull. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you like... uh, the other podcast we did recommend it okay i'm gonna press pause and record it <laughs> making waveforms making waveforms making waveforms on my audacity <laughs> I saw my problems and I'm seeing you. We got this. Nothing we got. Well, I know what's going right. into the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I made peanut butter cookies yesterday. Yeah. And it was like you just took peanut butter and egg white or something? It's peanut butter, a cup of peanut butter, half a cup of sugar, and an egg. Hmm. And it makes cookies. I have no idea how it does it without flour and baking powder. (laughs) It just does. Do they rise? Yeah. It's weird. Is this the recipe from the side of the peanut butter jar? Yep.